Man Cube Show podcast, a college football podcast that comes to you each and every Sunday. We're trying to deliver more college football content to you on Sundays. We got a lot to get to today. Of course, Todd Munkin is out as the Georgia offensive coordinator. He's going to move on to the Baltimore Ravens. Georgia wastes no time ushering in Mike Bobo, a guy that's been around the SEC uh, that I've studied that I know very well. We'll get into that, talk about the ramifications, what difference is it going to make, what should you expect to see, not expect to see, things of that nature. A couple of guys that I've studied out of the portal that are going to SEC schools. We'll talk about them, give you an idea. Is this a player that your team's going to be able to rely upon? Are they really going to be able to help? Are they going to do a whole lot? We'll get to that across the course of the show today. Also, just kind of wanted to hit on where are these offenses going to be? We, we talked about some impact defensive players. Like, who are those guys you have to game plan around a couple of weeks ago? It doesn't seem like there's a ton of those guys. We went through some that we do think you're going to have to game plan around. A couple of you guys had great suggestions as well. Always remember, um, at Cube Show on Instagram, at Cube Show on Twitter. You can give us any topics you want us to cover, send anything in that way. We'll try to knock those out for you as well. Uh, we're always brought to you by Wickles Pickles, wickedly delicious. Go get a jar as big as your head like I've got here. Love Wickles Pickles. Had some earlier today. Uh, kids love them. And you can go find them in your local grocery store. If not, go to the website. You can find some there. Find them on Instagram as well, at Wickles Pickles. You got some cool recipes up on, I told you about one during Super Bowl, uh, but they've thrown a couple more up since then that you can go check out and try to find for yourself and just kind of see what they've got. All right, Todd Munkin is out. He is going to the Baltimore Ravens. I think it's a massive loss. Uh, now, a massive loss for a lot of other teams means that it's not something they're going to be able to get past or get over or... It's going to maybe knock them back a couple of notches to where they're not going to go to a bowl game or not going to contend for a conference championship or definitely not going to get to the playoff. I don't think it means that for Georgia. I really don't think it means that at all. Uh, but I, I do think that if there are games in which they need to lean on the offense and they need to lean on the offense as a variety and they need to be extremely difficult to defend, it might not be what it has been the last two years, uh, especially this year. You guys, if you go back and listen to that episode on Going into the national championship game, we talked about the difficulties for TCU are going to be defending it all, all the protections, all the screens, middle screens, perimeter screens, running back screens, receiver screens, tight end screens, uh, the run game in which you were going to have power, counter, inside, outside zone, duo, split zone, toss, they toss crack, they, they, they run everything. Uh, that doesn't even get into quarterback mobility, utilizing quarterback runs, different reads, RPOs. He brought it all. And I, I do think it's a tad lazy to sit there and say, okay, Mike Bobo was there to watch this. And so therefore, you know, by osmosis, he's going to gain all this knowledge. It's going to be the same thing. That, that, that's not real. That's not going to take place. Uh, the other thing that I think is lazy that I will not do on this show that you've heard a lot of other people do is go back through what Coach Bobo has done at other places over the years, essentially saying that, oh, well, when he's in South Carolina, look where they were in passing. Was, he didn't, they had trouble getting the ball past the line of scrimmage. All right, they, they were handcuffed from a quarterback perspective in which they, they had to do what they had to do. The best player on their football team was playing tailback. They had a good fullback, some tight ends, had a decent offensive line. Like That's just how they had to operate. Um, you know, the Auburn thing, I, I, don't, I don't really know. I mean, first off, your, your quarterback breaks his ankle with a quarter of the season left, so that's, that's one part. The other part is didn't really get along with the head coach. They butted heads, so that thing was going to be at odds either way. I'm not... Not going to go judge him by that to see, you know, what he is and what he's capable of doing. Um, I, I do think that, you know, some of the more new age stuff, not necessarily his strength, but doesn't mean guys can't change and can't add that and start to become that a little bit more. I mean, Coach Bobo wants to win. 
Uh, is he a little bit stubborn? Yeah, but all these coaches are in a certain way. Like they all believe that their shit works. And that's why they run it. I mean, it's if a coach didn't believe that what they did could operate in a successful manner, they wouldn't do it, and they wouldn't be doing this. So I, you're not going to see anything revamped. You're not going to see anything totally different than what he's done in the past. But I do think addition and subtraction is something that will take place. You may see different formations, more formations. Uh, and then, you know, listen, there's there's also two ways to look at this from this perspective. Um, <laughs> you look at what they've got coming back, and then you, you look at the schedule. Uh, I'm trying to pull the schedule up right now just so we can hit it, and because I don't have it memorized, but I know that it's extremely light. So, you, you mean you're talking about a team that is not going to be challenged very much this season. Uh, they've got a really light schedule. Not saying it's all their fault. Had a game canceled, so had to do that. But UT Martin, Ball State, okay, whatever. South Carolina, they're not going to be able to match up. UAB first-year coach Trent Dilfer not going to be able to match up. Auburn first-year head coach Hugh Freeze, even though it's on the road, probably not matching up. Kentucky, I, d- I don't think that they're ready for it just yet. Uh, at Vandy, no. Florida, no. Missouri, no. Ole Miss, no. At Tennessee, if Joe Milton can improve and do some things, we're going to talk about Joe Milton a little bit later on the show, maybe. At Georgia Tech, they're not ready. So, I'm, I mean, Mike Bobo could take what he's got on this roster from a very ordinary perspective, go into the season, and probably have a ton of success. And first off, getting Cedric Van Pran back up front is going to be massive. Uh, I thought he was one of the best centers in college football last year. I think he's the best center returning in college football this year. He's going to be true. He's going to be huge. You've got Truss and Mims and a couple different guys up front that have played a lot of football. Obviously, the tight end situation, yeah, Darnell Washington's gone, but you have the ultimate Swiss Army knife that you're going to be able to throw onto the field in Brock Bowers and be able to do a lot of different things. Um, you know, Lovick and Thomas come in from Mississippi State and Missouri, two really good players. I don't know what Ra Thomas's situation is after the deal, whatever. I don't, I don't really know that right now. I do know Lad McConkey is an underrated receiver. He is legit. Uh, if Arian Smith can come back, if you guy takes the top off, the, the weapons, there will be no issue there, none. I think the offensive line will be fine. I think it actually got a chance to be pretty good because uh, Stacy did a great job with that group last year. I think he's got a chance to do a good job with it this year. Delp had to play a little bit at tight end, so he's going to be ready to go. I, I mean, I just, I, I, you know, Kendall Milton's back. Uh, Dewan Edwards is going to be back. Everybody says Branson Robinson is, you know, the Nick Chubb 2.5, and he's going to be even better than Chubb was. I, I mean, we'll see. My, but the point is the talent is there. This is not going to have to be an extravagant, you know, um, just completely different presentation than we're used to having to do different things against certain matchups. Like th- this is, they are going to be able to out athlete a lot of people and probably play bully ball and win a lot of games. It's just what they're going to be. So I, I don't look at this as a bad hire like some folks do. I understand that you could have had some sort of a national search, feeling out process. Obviously, this thing's been in the works for a while or you don't name the predecessor five minutes later. And we've heard about Munkin interviewing for the last, what, month? So we've known that he probably wanted to get out, and this is what he wanted to do, and he was going to have a good chance to get one of them. I think it could be good in the NFL. But it's not a problematic to the point where I think it's going to cost Georgia two or three games. Like, that's just, it's not going to be real. It's not going to take place. So a lot of folks are upset about it, mad about it, indifferent to it. It's Bobo knows offense, and Bobo has seen that offense work in a different way. I do think he'll add some of that. Are you going to go back to a few things? Probably just because it's what he likes. It's what he loves. Like, you know, they were in duo last year. He runs duo a lot. Like go to the Ole Miss game when he was in South Carolina. I think they set a 
NCAA record for running duo like 57 times in a game, more than Notre Dame did against Clemson last year. So he's going to run his stuff. Like, is he going to have a fullback sometimes? Yes, he is. But, I mean, it's just he understands how to get matchups and how to get people aligned a certain way. That's why he likes to do it. So um, so that is kind of my thought on Todd Munkin, what he brought, what he did, where he's going, and then Bobo in, what he's going to be, what he can be. In all seriousness, it's not going to make a huge difference until late in the season. And then at that point, it should be, we should know what we have with about four or five weeks left. And then you start looking at some of the potential matchups and maybe the problems that could come along with it. But it's fine. Bobo knows offense. He'll be okay. They can, he can do different things. He can be different, much more. Everybody thinks he's just three yards in a cloud of dust guy. And like, this is not the reality that I think he brings to the table. All right, let's take a look at a couple of the guys that I studied. Uh, they're going to be transferring to SEC schools from other places that just want to give you an idea. Every week, I'm going to try to find, you know, one, two, three guys that I looked at, that I watched, that I think could potentially come in and help and be a difference maker, kind of like Blue Delta Jeans, different difference maker for me. Proud sponsor of the show. Go to bluedeltajeans.com. Custom denim, comfortable denim, stretchy denim, beautiful denim. Looks dressy. You can wear it casual. You're not going to need more than one or two pairs, and you're set for a long time because these things fit, like look like a pair of dress pants. You can throw a t-shirt on with them and go roll out. They're absolutely phenomenal. I have a couple pair. Nick and the guys have done me right. If you're a bigger, huskier guy like me, you probably don't want to go buy jeans off the rack. They're going to either look too big, too loose. They're going to fall down. Whatever. Don't be sloppy. Go check out bluedeltajeans.com. See what they can do for you. They are amazing. Uh, when took a look at John Morgan, Ed's defender out of Pittsburgh, that's coming into Arkansas. We know Arkansas loses a lot in that front seven. I don't know really what I expected to see in this young man because uh, I had not heard a ton about him. And I don't really view him as a flash player, even after going back and watching him. But I'm going to tell you what, this kid does some nice things. Uh, six tackles for loss last year, 6'2", 265-ish. Um, he doesn't play very heavy. Now, initially, he can strike and be really good against the run. It's just... He doesn't, if this, I don't know if this makes sense. He doesn't hold up well throughout the course of plays. He's fine right off the snap, but it needs to happen then for him or else, you know, it, it's probably going to be a little bit of an issue. Um, but he he's heavy handed enough to be okay there. Uh, he's got some good flexibility as a pass rusher. He's not quick twitch. You know, he's not, he, he's not a guy that's going to win with his initial burst off the ball. He's not going to give you crazy elaborate moves that are going to have you know, tackles falling on their rear end or, you know, diving out in front of him, falling on their face. He's not that guy, but he has a good knack for how to get around guys. He uses his hands well in pass pro or pass rush situations. And his length is pretty good. Like he's 6'2", but he's got, his wingspan looks like he's 6'6". So he's got big, long arms he can do a lot of different things with. That will be of benefit. And then the other thing that I like too, and and I think he's going to be a guy who really helps Travis Williams' defense this year in Fayetteville, He's great off the ball. And for a guy who's not very quick twitch, he has this weird knack of just knowing how to get to the football, going where the football is going to be. Like he ends up making a lot of tackles out in space by himself when he drops or when he kind of sees something and he gets back out there. So he will not come in and just be a pass rusher, in my opinion. He's someone who can help you off the ball, especially out in the flat a little bit. And he's not going to get out there and get shook by all the running backs and quick receivers that he sees and run because he can get out there. He can break down. He can make a tackle. So he's a valuable, versatile piece that I think is probably going to help Arkansas a lot more than a lot of people believe this upcoming fall. Um, another kid that I took a look at was wide receiver Eddie Lewis um, out of Memphis going to South Carolina. Now, 
we know Juice is back, so you're good there from as far as your number one. You don't need someone to come in and be that. You need some complimentary pieces for Spencer Rattler when the coverage is tilted to be able to have guys who get up and can make a couple plays for you. Eddie Lewis had a pretty good year. 42 catches, 615 yards. I think he had like seven touchdowns. So he's productive. He doesn't wow you in a lot of ways. Not not super speed guy, but a good route runner. And sometimes you see receivers that just, they, they have a, a feel of how to get open. They know how to work zone coverages, break a route off a little bit early, how to utilize leverage, get in and out of, get a guy off of them. And, and he's sort of that guy. He, he, t- when you watch him, he just, he kind of oozes football IQ as, okay, coverage is here. I'm going to do this. You know, how to, how to get a little arm extension, but not get called and be able to get open and go make a catch. Doesn't have amazing hands. Like he's not, you know, one arm, one handed catch guy. Um, not going to be sports center top 10 every week, but just solid as far as getting open, give you a reliable target. Uh, with a pretty pretty decent frame that's going to be able to help you out. And so from the South Carolina perspective, I think he comes in as somebody who is kind of what you need, opposite of what Juice is going to give you, and then have somebody else there that can benefit from other attention going other places. And you need some numbers, too. So I think, I think it's a good pickup. I think Eddie Lewis can come in and help South Carolina. Dynamic? No. You know, 75 catches? No. 120 targets? No. But Based on what's probably going to be happening, he's someone who can help that football team this year. He's got a great coach in Justin Stepp that can kind of help him elevate his game, be more consistent. Does have some things in his background, so you hope that those have been corrected and he's ready to sort of get in line and do the right things, but I think he's someone who can help. Uh, also out of Memphis, I studied Cam Jackson that's heading down to Florida. Um, massive, massive defensive tackle. And you know, we, we talked about this with Ole Miss, getting the kid out of NC State um, a week ago. Now you're getting an SEC defensive tackle body type. Like this is prototypical SEC nose guard, 6'5, 362. I think he was at Memphis. I was told that he was 362 at Memphis, not by him, but by Memphis folks. Um, so you're going to probably get a rotational nose guard three technique, which you think about in 21, you already got one of those guys that's even heavier than that. So now you got two massive bodies, but you can rotate them in and out a little bit. There's a good chance that Cam Jackson is the strongest kid on the team when he gets to Gainesville. Uh, he has that kind of power, that kind of just brute strength. Um, long arms, good length, you know, understands the position well. Technique fundamentals are solid. But as we always talk about with a lot of guys this size, it, it's, it's not every down. It's not every series. Got to get the motor going. Uh, and if they can get, I would say, 20 to 24 snaps a game from him at a high level, that he can help. He can absolutely help. And that's not just because he's that big of a guy in there. I mean, he can help based on what he's capable of doing. Um, five TFLs over the last two years. He, he can penetrate at times. He can be disruptive, but the consistency is not there. And probably doesn't need to live at, at 362. Probably needs to be down just a little bit more to be a more effective player in the SEC. But he'd still give you at 340 that big body type, that, that, you know, that big frame that's going to cause a lot of problems to eat up a lot of blocks. So just kind of a couple of guys there that I watched over this past week that I think are going to go to SEC teams that can help. How much? That's what we like to talk about here. We're going to give you that almost every week here on the show. Spring ball's right around the corner, so we're going to preview that coming up. Like, what are the biggest needs? What are we looking for? Who's going to help? What do we want to see? Obviously, when spring games go by, we'll have like regular Sundays for that. Whatever spring games are on Saturdays or Thursday, Friday, whatever they are, we will break those down for you. X's and O's, dive in 
give you player breakdowns on what we saw on those Sunday shows that come up after that. Don't forget to subscribe on YouTube if you're there. Uh, I think we just went over a thousand this week, which I'm told is pretty good. I, I don't, I don't really know, but thank you guys for doing that. We appreciate it. Always appreciate the sport. Spread the word. Tell everybody else. Tell your friends. Subscribe to uh, Cube Show on YouTube. And if you're watching there, we appreciate you. Okay, so SEC offenses. Where are we? Where are we going? Uh, I've had a couple of interesting conversations either on McElroy and Cubic in the morning with Mac, with Greg McElroy on WJOX seven to ten JoxFM.com. Um, I had this conversation with Rowan Harper when I filled in for Feinbaum last week, and it's interesting to hear different people's opinions. What's going to be better next year, SEC offenses or defenses? And you know, it's 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 tough because, like we said, we talked about the the defensive guys last week. There doesn't feel like a ton of groups that are just like boom, right there, ready to go. Uh, there are some that I have a lot of confidence in. Like I have, I have confidence in Georgia's group. I actually have confidence in Alabama's group. Believe it or not, based on personnel and Kevin Steele, I got confidence in Kentucky with some of the personnel and with Brad White. Um, I have some confidence with A and M, but I have a lot of question marks. So I, there doesn't feel like a bunch of uh, defenses that are just going to be top notch no matter what. But the offenses, I mean, now we're down to. 10 offensive coordinators going to be new in this league. That's out of 14 teams. So you got Vanderbilt, LSU, Ole Miss, and Florida that bring their offensive coordinators back. Well, Vanderbilt's got A.J. Swan back, so that's that's a coordinator and a quarterback. LSU, obviously, coordinator and quarterback back. Um, so Mike Denbrock's going to be leading that offense, and we, we saw what the quarterback was able to do last year, and I, I don't really think it's much of a competition. A lot of folks want Nussmeyer to be in there and be the guy. I'm sure Kelly will try to you know, push them each a, a little bit, but it's Jaden Daniels' job. Um, and then you got the old Miss situation, which, yeah, you have a coordinator and a quarterback back, but why do you bring Spencer Sanders in? So even though you have that, I don't know if that's like a super comfortable situation. And I, my understanding is that thing's already leaning towards Spencer Sanders inside that facility. That's why he was brought in. Florida gets Billy Napier back as their coordinator, but they obviously lose Anthony Richardson. So I'm, you're you're basically looking at, you know, thirteen teams in the league. Or I'm sorry, eleven out of fourteen teams in the league having a coordinator or and or quarterback change. That's wild to think about, man. And like Vanderbilt, we're not going to say AJ Swan's sitting there ready. He loses Ray Davis, who I've told you guys before. I think it's going to be awesome at Kentucky. So that I don't think that group's ready to take a massive step just based on what's returning. LSU is probably the most ready to make a big jump offensively. For obvious reasons, Den Brock back, Kelly back. Okay, so they understand where they're going. Majority of that coaching staff stays in place. You had a quarterback that had to figure things out throughout the course of the season last year. Oh, he likes to run. Okay, let's design some run things for him. All right, let's cut down on the number of reads. When he gets through X amount, then he can just leave the pocket. Okay, good. We've, we've, We've actually made things a lot easier on everybody right there. Took them three to five games to figure out the offensive line. Played multiple combinations early. Got that settled in. Okay, here comes the run game just a little bit more. Tied in was green early. He began to grow into the position. Now he's not a liability when he's in line. And he can catch and stretch the field, do different things athletically. Boom. Okay, great. And you take maybe addition by subtraction with Kayshawn Booty this year, however you wanted to view that. I think they might have the best group of receivers coming back in the league. Returning quarterback who's a dual threat. The offensive line should be fine, and you know what the offense is. Also, tempo they added last year. Because uh, when I talked to uh, Marucci going into the Southern game, you know they gave me the numbers on what Jaden Daniels was, 
when the ball was snapped 19 and above and 19 and below, and there was almost like a 20% difference in completion percentage better above than below. So he liked to go fast a little bit. They figured that out. So they got a lot of things that they figured out about their offense, and a lot of those things are coming back, and they add a few more pieces that I think are going to be beneficial to be able to help. So if you're talking who's in the best situation, LSU's in the best spot to make a massive leap offensively. We mentioned the old Miss deal. Like, I don't, I don't really know, man. Like, yeah, Judkins is back, so you're in a good spot no matter what. Spencer Sanders adds some mobility. Yep, add some experience. Sure. I thought Jackson Dart got a lot better towards the end of the year. I thought he did some nice things. Does he give you a bonehead decision every now and then? He does. Sure. But he became more of a willing runner. He became more willing at taking contact. I think that helped the team a little bit. And I enjoyed seeing some of that from him. Now, you got a kid coming in from LSU, and it just complicates things. So, obviously, they're not all going to be on the roster when the season rolls around. You lose a lot at, at, at wide receiver. But you got Judkins back. Nick Broker's gone. He's been your best offensive lineman for three years. Uh, that's going to hurt. It's gonna You're going to take a hit. You lose Jake Thornton. I think that's a hit because I think he's really good. Um, but Michael Trigg should be back. Uh, you get Caden Preetson or Preetencorn, whatever his name is, from Memphis at tight end. A really good, a really solid tight end. One of those bigger body tight ends. He's not going to be what Trigg is. But he can be an inline guy that can kind of be what Kelly was and then maybe a little bit more the last two years. He's like 48 for 602 in a touchdown or seven touchdowns last year. So he's someone who can help that offense. I just don't know if I see a big jump, even with Judkins. Um, and even if it were to be Sanders and he were to add a few things, I don't know if I see a massive leap for the Ole Miss offense. Um, status quo, maybe small step up. Yes. You know, keeping Weiss and having Lane and having a lot of the other pieces there is of benefit. I don't get overly concerned about the receiver position because Lane does seem to have a find a way to figure that out no matter what. And they got portal guys coming in, so they'll be okay. Florida's the one I have a lot of concerns about. I mean, honestly, I, I, I just don't know. I, I don't know exactly what you're leaning on here. Now, the run game, okay, but you lose Osiris Torrance. So, that, I mean, that's that's got to hurt a little bit. You, you, you don't have the kind of tight ends that you need to really run the offense the way that you want to just yet. And now you're going to lead on, I mean, Graham Mertz, Jack Miller didn't look like the guy in the bowl game. So, I, you know, you got ATN as a, as a one-two, kind of a dual-headed threat out of the backfield. That's nice. That's great. And they were committed to the run game last year, and I get it, and I like that. Um, but I just don't – this is not our, you know, Florida group of receivers from our teenage years. It just it just isn't. So how many guys can separate? How many guys can just go make plays? I I don't really have an idea. I don't have a good feel for that. So I do think that having that system year two, better understanding, even though you're plugging a new quarterback in for a lot of the other guys, it can be beneficial and help. I just don't see a big leap based on the production you got from some of the guys that are not going to be there this year. I do think you can settle some things down without Richardson and, you know, having to protect him some weeks, not protect him some weeks, turn him loose, not turn him loose, inconsistencies, throwing the ball. I do think that you could maybe settle this offense in a little bit earlier, but I just don't know how dynamic it's going to be compared to what you've had. So go through now with the new offensive coordinators. Uh, Alabama and Tommy Reese, we spent a lot of time talking about that the last few weeks, but I think you're pretty good at tailback. I think the offensive line has a chance. You have two centers. Dalcourt's going to come back. So you, you, you got Dalcourt in there that could start or Seth McLaughlin could start. Maybe you move Dalcourt over to guard if he wants to do that. Tyler Booker is going to be one of the better guards in the league. I truly believe that. And you got one tackle coming back that that, that should be pretty good. So I, you're okay there. You get uh, 
you know, Trippy, whatever he is, the tight end from Maryland is going to come in. We've broken him down on the show. Super athletic, big kid Tradius can help. Needs work fundamentally in blocking, but he's going to be okay. And I think your receiver core is 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 good enough. It's just quarterback. What's the offense going to look like? What's it going to be? I spent a lot of time this weekend. We had XFL. So actually, well, up and back and forth to Charlotte for Feinbaum and then back to Dallas and forth for XFL. I studied Notre Dame's offense a lot. And I'm going to tell you guys, I like it the more I watch it. Um, there's a lot more Sark in Tommy Reese's offense than people think. That's moving guys around, moving pieces around, motions to be able to find matchups, things of that nature, different motions, different personnel groupings. So I'm I'm a little bit higher on Tommy Reese's offense, even after going back and watching it even more over the weekend. Um, so I think Alabama's fine. Like I actually feel better about their defense than their offense, but I'm not overly concerned about the offense. I'm very intrigued with quarterback. I'll say that. Very intrigued. Because I think I do think you go one of two directions here. And Jalen Milrow is one kind of guy. And I if you don't go Jalen Milrow, then I think you're going. You, you want to be more pro-style, and you're showing the importance of being able to throw the ball consistently because I just don't know if he's going to be that guy. But obviously, he has a dynamic threat with his legs. So, I don't know. We'll see. Dole Loggins coming into South Carolina. Here's the reality. You've got Spencer Rattler. you got Juice Wells. You get Trey Knox transferring in from Arkansas, who I think is going to be really, really valuable in this offense. He's a move tight end that's more than willing to help you in line, try to block people, try to do different things. He will help them. Is he as athletic as what they lost? No, but he's athletic enough to be able to help do different things, line up different places, and be able to do that. Um, you lose Jovan Gwynn, who was your best offensive lineman. I, I'm anxious to see what that group looks like. I'm not overly concerned about running back. So I think South Carolina's in pretty good shape. We just don't really know a lot about Dole as a play caller. Not doubting him. We just don't know how it's going to look, what it's going to be like. Um, Kentucky and Liam Cohen, very interesting because Devin Leary, if he's healthy, he can flat out play. Kid's really good. Uh, you guys know what I think about Ray Davis coming in and helping a tailback. Really good. Will the offensive line be better? It's a fair question because last year wasn't good. Last year, got the quarterback, got the shit kicked out of him, mainly because of that group a lot of times. And when they needed to run the ball down the stretch, they found a couple of times they were able to do it. But they've got good receivers. Don't forget about that. I mean, they have two. I mean, Dane Key can get it. They got two really good receivers that are going to be able to help. Now, tight end's an interesting position because they've had some sort of worker bees that have helped in the last few years. I don't know if they're the same kind of guys right now. And what Liam Cohen's going to be able to do is find one of those receivers to feature in different times in different ways, and he'll get them open. They'll get the stretch play going, which is going to help that offensive line a little bit. It's a much easier play to be able to block consistently and make the defense run east-west. That's where your bootlegs, your play actions come in, your throwbacks come in. And Liam's just the master of all that stuff. He is great. I think Kentucky's offense takes a big step. And I understand you're probably losing a first-round quarterback. The guy's going to come off pretty early. But I think Kentucky's offense, with the receivers back, the running back they're getting, and the, how the scheme will protect the offensive line at times, and how he knows how to feature guys, I think based on what it was last year, I think it actually takes a step. And maybe a big step. I feel that good about Kentucky's group. Uh, a lot of that, more so because of the coordinator than some of the pieces, like I do with these other groups we're talking about, but it's got a chance to be pretty solid. Uh, interested to see Missouri's with with Kirby Moore. Now, you know, Kirby Moore has uh, the Fresno State background, which a lot of what you want with Washington right now, Michael Penix Jr. and what they're doing, nation's leading passer last year. You know, the OC almost got the Alabama job, decided to stay. Um, but you, you've got a head coach OC tandem there that are incredible at Washington. And so Kirby Moore has been around that, understands it. He's around Jay Kaner, so he knows good quarterback play. 
And I think he can be a big benefit to Brady Cook of sort of settling him down. Brady Cook showed us late. He's tough, and he can break you down with his legs. He's got the arm strength, but it's seeing things, the consistency, and being able to find it. That comes with confidence. If Kirby Moore can instill some confidence in Brady Cook, we know they got a number one receiver. You got one of the best tackles coming back in the league. You may have a chance with how the run game is already put in place to be able to improve a little bit. Now, do I like losing Dominic Lovett? No, because I think he was super valuable. But I do think this offense has a chance to take a step. Two, three steps? No. But better than last year? A, a, a chance. Yeah, because there's some unknowns with play callers so we don't really know just yet. Uh, Mississippi State, Kevin Barbe coming in, App State guy. You're going to get stretch play, play action, stretch the field, split zone, H-back, fullbacks, tight ends. Uh, you'll add some tempo to it. You'll get some quarterback read play, some RPOs. Like That's just what all that is. But the good news for State fans is you got a quarterback super accurate. If he can find a way to fit into it, he could be really good in this because he'll get opportunities to do some things down the field that don't come as consistently right now. We know he can hit all the intermediate stuff, but the one thing I've always said about Will Rogers is he's better down the field than people give him credit for. So this actually could be nice for him, and from an NFL perspective, it could be really good for him for him to be able to show different things he's going to be able to do. And you got some pretty good pieces. Pretty good pieces of the O-line back. Uh, you got a good running back that's going to return, and you got some good receivers back. So um, there's a there's so much unknown. I can't say that I feel great about it being better because number one, they're going to be so different than they were last year. Um, but I kind of like some of the pieces, and I do love that scheme. I love that offense. I mean, you can go look at a lot of different offenses. Like, go look at Baylor's offense. Go look at BYU's offense. Um, you know, well, there's a lot of offenses in college football right now. Illinois' offense are sort of built around that App State tree. I mean, Georgia um, Georgia State and what they're doing built around it just a little bit. So uh, the Louisville offense built around it a little bit. They're, these are all from the, you know, from the same trunk that they're built off of and they can be successful and they can find different ways to be successful with different personnel. Um, obviously, I don't, I feel great about A&M's offense. I don't know the other way to say it. And it's not all Bobby Petrino, but if Bobby Petrino can add a few things, especially in the passing game, that make it a little bit more difficult to defend, they're going to be fine. Um, offensive line, we mentioned them last week, should be good. Um, I'm a little concerned about tight end, but Green might end up being that guy. You got two big play receivers, and you got a quarterback that can, I think he's going to be able to play. Like he just needs a little more confidence, a few more reps, and I think he's going to be good. Uh, now you add a little bit of what Petrino does, more spread formations, more motions, more different personnel groupings, different, mo- uh, different formations. It's going to help everybody on that group be better. It just is. Um, so I just think with the young personnel that's there, they, they have a chance to be a lot better anyway. They just don't have the proven dynamic tailback, which I'll be the first one to admit, I questioned if they had the tailback that could go be an every-down tailback last year, and he ended up proving me wrong. So I think you could be looking at a nice bounce back here for A&M, specifically on the offensive side of the ball, based on the skill that's there, and if Bobby can sort of morph things a little bit to make them somewhat better. Um Auburn and Phillip Montgomery, Hugh Freeze, it's going to be totally different. I love Jake Thornton coming in as the offensive line coach, but here's the offensive line upgrade. Running back's going to be fine. Now, they might not be tanked, but Jarquez Hunter, we know he can get it. Batty is a guy that can help you. You got a freshman that everybody raved about last year, just didn't get a ton of opportunities, so I think it's going to be fine. Uh, tight end position will be okay. And what happens with quarterback? I mean, Robbie's going to have a good shot at it. Mentally, I think he needs to pour it all in. I think he's got to grow up some there if he's going to be the guy and he's going to be successful being the guy. And then on the flip side of that, do they? is there another guy that they like that comes out that they go get? I don't know. 
Biggest question mark for me, wide receiver. Like, do they have guys who can separate? Do they have guys who can be an eraser? Do they have guys who can take a slant, a hitch, or a flare and turn those into big plays? A screen and turn them into explosive plays. They need more of that consistently and just haven't had a ton of it. Got to find that in that offense if they're going to find a way to make things go. The scheme will be fine. The play calling will be fine. It's just having the right pieces in the right places consistently to be able to make it good a lot of the time. Better than last year? Maybe. A chance to chance to be, yeah, chance to be better than last year, but a lot of things have to happen if that's going to take place. Not that it was, I mean, it, it wasn't great last year, but it wasn't miserable um, with the way you had to bounce quarterbacks around, especially. Uh, and you fire a coach in the middle of the season, that's never going to be good. So it, there's a good chance it's going to be better than it was a year ago. Uh, Tennessee with Joey Hazel, I mean, it's, listen, this, it's the head coach's offense, and you get a quarterback in that knows how to run it, that has been the starter, that has that ability. Of course, you get a receiver in from Oregon that can help. You, you need to make sure you have those kind of weapons. But keep in mind, what we thought was going to be the best weapon was absent the majority of the time last year, and somebody else stepped up. So is there another guy or two waiting in the wings? Like We've seen what Squirrel White can do a little bit. Could he be dynamic in different ways? Um, the tempo, the run game. We, t- we talked about uh, the offensive lineman from Texas, who I think is going to help him last week. Yeah, you lose Darnell Wright. He was a stud. But I think you have enough back in that group. Love the way LRB handles it. And then the pace tempo is going to help them out. And a quarterback who can ultimately stretch the field on every down and gives you a little more power as a runner. So now inside run game helps. Um, I don't see it being better than last year, but I don't think it's going to take as big of a drop as people believe because a lot of the pieces you have there with it that come along. So I'll be interested to see it, though, because I'm going to tell you right now, if Joe Milton finds a changeup, watch out. Because he's got every fastball possible, two-seam, four-seam, splitter, whatever. Like He's got every fastball in the book. If he finds a changeup, watch out for Tennessee's offense this year. That's all I'm going to say. Um, Arkansas with Dan Enos is really interesting. Now, you get Rocket Sanders back, probably the number two tailback returning in the league. Super dynamic, great. Love watching him run the football. He's awesome. You lose Ricky Stromberg at center. Uh, you lose Knox at your flex tight end receiver, whatever that is. Hazelwood going to be gone at wide receiver. But I think you get a better quarterback developer in in Dan Enos. That could be great for K.J. Jefferson because he's going to give you dual threat anyway. Dan Enos can find quarterback runs. Like Dan Enos is called spread. He's called QB run. He's gone like a little more West Coast. Like he'll alter his stuff. I'm not worried about that. But I think Kendall's one of the better play callers in all of college football. Dan might be a little bit better of a quarterback guru. So that could actually help KJ Jefferson either be more consistent, be in the lineup more often. I don't know. We'll see. Um, I think it's going to depend a lot on the offensive line because, and Cody does a great job with that group, but I, I just don't know exactly where that group's going to be going into the year. I had more confidence going into last year than I do this year with the Arkansas offensive line. If that group is there with what Rocket brings to the table, they might have a chance to be better. But they were pretty good last year. And they were really good when KJ was healthy. If he's healthy all year, they got a chance to be solid. And then, of course, we get to Georgia with Mike Bobo. I kind of broke down what I thought about that earlier in the show. I I don't think it takes a big step back. I think they're going to be fine. They have the personnel to be good no matter what. And they're just not going to get challenged a whole lot. All that being said about all those offenses, I think what we just found out is, even though we have, what, 10 new offensive coordinators, even though we have all these schools that are going to be changing starting quarterbacks, the offenses are still going to be better than the defenses this year. They just are. 
Because I think top to bottom, you have more big-time players at running back, receiver, tight end, quarterback that are coming in or that have been there or that are there that we already know about or that are about to blow up and take off than we do on defense. It's just the reality of it. These D-lines, these linebacking cores, these safety groups, they're not loaded with big-time guys like they have been. So I would lean offenses going into this year. If you're going to ask me who's going to be better, SEC offenses or defenses, obviously a lot of the rules are going to help that the way football is being played. But that's just kind of the direction that I would go with kind of where things are. So there's my take on Munkin out, Bobo in, a couple of transfer kids we break down for you. Arkansas, I think you're getting an edge defender that's going to help. South Carolina, you'll get a solid probably three or four wide receiver that's going to help you a little bit. Florida, you're getting an interior defensive lineman that if he gets in shape can definitely help you a lot. And then we went through coordinators, we went through personnel, we went through quarterback changes, all of that. So a lot of SEC offense today. We'll get to something a little bit different next week. Continue breaking guys down. BlueDeltaJeans.com. Wickles Pickles, Wickedly Delicious. Always appreciate them as a sponsor. Remember, Cube Show, College Football Podcast. We are going to be back every single Sunday delivering college football content to you. Yes, it's the emphasis on the SEC because that's what we love and that's what we know the best. So for you guys that are commenting on the YouTube page about us expanding and we could get more viewers if this wasn't all SEC, sorry, man. That's where our emphasis and our focus is right now. So that's what we're going to continue to do. Please subscribe to the YouTube. I beg you and I plead you. I've been challenged to get to 2,000. Nobody thinks I can do it. So I'm going to make a run at that. At Cube Show on Instagram, at Cube Show on Twitter. Thanks for following. We'll be back next week. The Bigger Pockets portfolio of podcasts are worthy of your investment. We're having a real conversation as real real estate investors. New episodes available every day. It's important to buy where it makes money and not necessarily where you want to travel to. Bigger Pockets on the market, rookie real estate or money podcast. The purpose of flipping is to create more cash so then you can reinvest into other types of properties. The Bigger Pockets podcast on YouTube or wherever you listen.